no it's efforts. Kind, of, it's kind of like a race between the four horsemen. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Which one's going to kill us first? Which one's going to get to us? Welcome to the apocalypse, everybody. We're all going to die tonight. But no, uh, it's just been crazy. Like the news, like I, unfortunately where I work, I have to see all that stuff. And every day is just like out does the next day is what it seems like when it comes to war and apocalypse and everything. But you're listening to United Public Radio 107.7 FM, New Orleans. Uh, check out Dead Sky Publishing. Uh, they have great Weird West horror books. The Wild West, throwing some zombies and some vampires and lycanthropes, and you're in the Wild West, baby. That's DeadSkyPublishing.com. We got Wham here with us tonight. Heidi. Hi. We got Allison Jordan here with us tonight. Hi, everybody. Great to have you here. Well, uh, I know the, the, the Shark Tank thing happened, and my first oh, thought yeah. was that, like, those people with paranormal stuff, wow, I, I don't know how that's going to go. Like, I don't watch that show a lot, but I've seen it a few times, and they do seem like they're, Rah. so was it like that? <laughs> well, um, it is It is like a shark tank in that uh, you, you just get thrown into it, and um, they, you know, one is asking a question, and then you're trying to, uh, answer their question and then somebody else goes off and so they just don't know how to take turns is what it is uh but so that's that's what makes it like a shark tank in in my opinion is because you you know you don't have like a, a coherent conversation with anyone it's it's uh basically hard to get in a word a word in edgewise between all their questions so uh, I I I was really happy though that they they invited us to come on. It wasn't something that we had ever considered having outside investors, but they wanted to do a special Halloween show, and so they reached out to us. Oh, and just like in Ghostbusters, you know, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. When someone asks you to be on Shark Tank, you say yes. So that's that that's uh what we did. Was it nerve-wracking for you or um yeah, I I mean we didn't really know what to expect. I mean we had our pitch down and that was fun to do. Uh but you know, as you might have guessed, the sharks didn't understand our business. You know, they don't they had never considered uh haunted history tour tourism as uh, a potential uh, for making money. They just don't realize uh, that there's value there. So, Definitely. yeah, I mean, it was, well, it was definitely fun to do. Well, yeah, value that? and interest. I mean, there's interest there. That's oh, why, yeah. That's why we're able to make money on it, you know? Yeah, and I didn't really get to go into the history of it. Uh, now, um, Richard Crow wasn't the first uh, there was a woman, and I forget her name, that started haunted history tourism in the United States in 1970. But uh, Richard Crow was uh, the first one that we knew of uh, coming up in Wisconsin. Uh, we know of Richard Crow because he started the his Chicago Ghost Tours in 1973. And so for us, uh, that was our inspiration as kids because although 
were we were in a suburb of Milwaukee. My mom, uh, our mom, really loved listening to the radio stations in Chicago a lot. And every Halloween, WGN would have Richard Crow on spinning his tales of haunted Chicagoland. And then my mom would gather me and my little brother around the radio. And I know this sounds like we're from the 30s or from the 40s, but I assure this, I assure you, this happened during the 80s. She gathers around the radio to listen to Richard Crow. And I think it really just got into our consciousness. And then when I became a teacher in 2006, I had my summers off. So I'm like, okay, this is my opportunity to start a haunted history tour in, in my home city of Milwaukee. Because, you know, it takes time to research the history and to get enough ghost stories for a walking tour that's only like a one mile radius. Because you can't make people walk uh, that long and still like you. So um, it, it took some doing, but I had the time to do it after I became a teacher. And then uh, that's how I started uh, the Milwaukee Tours in 2008. And then I got my brother into it a couple years later. I think it was 2010. And I'm like, dude, bro, you've got to do a haunted history tour of Madison, our state capital. And then I helped him get started. And then I just focused on my educational career. And then he he really took off with it. And uh, he started tours in uh, St. Paul and Minneapolis where he lived uh, while his wife was going to law school. And he's the one that really built American ghost walks into the successful business that it is so that we could both um, be full-time weirdos. And that's, that's what we're doing today. That's cool. And how was this season? Was it, was it hectic? How, how was it this time around for October? Well, um, I, yeah, it's, was very very busy but that's okay that's our peak season and uh you know we run we run tours in uh in our uh northerly destinations you know from from may until first week of november till it gets too cold to go out but we do have some warm weather destinations uh for instance we have a tour in hilo on the big island of hawaii and we also have one in uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico. And uh, so those go on all year. Certainly we need to do some more development in areas that don't have tours yet, but our warm weather destinations, that'll really um, help the business. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's really busy from, from May uh, to the beginning of October, uh, or I mean, to the beginning of November. And uh I've, I've been working mostly in Maine. We uh, acquired a tour company from uh, the founder of Red Cloak Tours in Maine, and she wanted to retire, so we bought her company. And then so we she had 12 tours across Maine. So I've mainly been working on resurrecting those tours. And uh, so I brought a couple of... Couple of uh, tours online that um in maine that we hadn't had uh so that's that's what i spent my time doing this summer is um is researching and writing um you know we get when we acquire a tour company 
you know, we get like a, a template of what we want to do, but uh, our, our stories really have to be vetted and I have to have a lot of supporting documentation for me to put it on the tour. So there's always, even when we acquire uh, pre-existing tours, there's always a lot of work uh, in terms of historical research that I need to do to back up those stories. And I provide binders to the the tour guides so that um, the, the tour guides can give the guests a little glimpse into where we get our stories. And, uh, you know, they're not going to see all the sources, but they get to a peek at some of the you know, more um, good looking sources, I guess you would say, you know, some of those um, old newspaper headlines uh, and illustrations and sometimes even photos are very dramatic and and fun to be able to share with guests so that they see that we're not making things up. You know, um, I since I started the tours here in Milwaukee in 2008, um, a lot of other companies have come along to run haunted history tours in the area. And, um, and that's great. Cause that's really why I started uh, a haunted history tour here in Milwaukee, because I wanted, I wanted there to be that kind of tourism here. Like there was in Chicago and new Orleans. I thought, well, you know, we've got to have these kind of interesting um, historical hauntings. And we do. So I, I wanted to bring that to Milwaukee's consciousness. And then when I did that, then there were other companies that saw, oh, there's money in this. And um, so there are other companies now in Milwaukee that, that offer haunted history tours, which I love to go on because um, I love to see what other people come up with. And uh, it, it's fun not having to lead a tour yourself or be in any way involved. Just be, just be uh, a fangirl again. So um, I love doing that. But, you know, in taking some of the tours, I, I was like, well, where did that story come from? And is it, is it really um, true? And, and how are you going to know? You're just going to have to take the, take the, uh, take the tour guides uh, word for it, unless you, unless you get to see, no, we are using lots of sources, archival sources, we're interviewing people. Uh, so there's a lot that is involved in making uh, what we find is a quality tour of to represent American ghost walks. And do you go and scout out the locations? Like you have to go to the locations and scout them out. And is there, I mean, I'm sure there's a process like with the people in charge, like the city and stuff like that. I mean, you got to go through a lot, don't you? Yeah. Well, well, definitely, definitely uh, going to the location is important because if you're going to interview people from the different locations, it's best if you're on the scene with them and also uh you know from from my past exploits you know that i really like to get my boots on the ground that's the only way to do investigation as far as i'm concerned you got to be there so yeah i travel to a lot of locations uh just just because i got to put myself 
uh, in the shoes of the guests and make sure everything is walkable and uh, and like I said, even even with tours that are already established that that we buy the intellectual property, um, it's still there's still things you have to do. There's still updates you have to make. Uh, there's no there's no turnkey solution yet that I've found. Yeah, I bet it, I bet that can be something. Does anybody ever go? We don't want no ghost tours in our town, Missy. Well, <laughs> or anything not, like that. Not too often. <laughs> uh, I mean, certainly that was the re reaction in Milwaukee um, when I uh, started in, in uh, 2008. Uh, you know, we're not that far from Chicago, so it shouldn't yeah. it shouldn't have been. Um, you know, such a difficult prospect for people to get their head around. But uh, it really is if they've never gone on a haunted history tour, if they're not well-traveled, if they, you know, haven't been to New Orleans, they haven't been to Chicago, you know, they don't really realize the demand for this type of tourism. And I think it, it's really that people want the history, but they also want the other aspects of humanity which are really important. Uh, spirituality uh, should not be downplayed. And haunted history uh, is a part of the local spirituality. It reflects uh, local spiritual beliefs. Yeah. And uh, I had my question in my head and then it tried to float away somewhere. <laughs> but uh, it, that happens. Oh, at some of these locations that you scout out, has anything paranormal ever happened? Like any, have you had any type experiences to make you go, oh, okay, this place was oh, probably haunted? well, you know, I got to say that, um, unfortunately, I am not a medium, so I don't have paranormal experiences very often. I have had a few, which really has helped me put things in perspective, but, uh, yeah, I mean, usually it's all about making sure journalistically you're um, you're talking to a witness and you're getting uh, their account straight. Um, it's also about doing the historical research and then just the logistics of it all, just walking around the place. Yeah, as far as, you know, whether I've had... Um, a lot of paranormal experiences. I have had some, but they don't really come when they're bidden. They they, they come at strange times. When yeah, they're, they're, they're always they're always unexpected and rather inconvenient. That, that yes, that's, yeah, you know, that's true. And fleeting, and fleeting. And fleeting. So so yeah, um, I I I'll tell you about some of my personal experiences in just a second. But I just wanted to address. Um, what you were saying, Jeffrey, about, you know, has anybody, has anybody ever said, well, we don't want no haunted history tours? Well, kind of, because like I said, in Milwaukee, uh, people were very resistant to the idea of even telling their ghost stories. And there, there are a lot of places around town here in Milwaukee that still are, are like, okay, tell the docents or the volunteers at these historic places, they, they say, okay, you can talk about the ghost stories here, but don't talk about them outside of here. They, they're very concerned about ghost stories. So that way, when I get a ghost story from someone in, um, in a contentious kind of environment like that, 
I feel like I really got something because there are people out there actively trying to uh, conceal and, you know, to trying to hide their ghost stories in Milwaukee. Um, now, when businesses, we have, we have one business here in Milwaukee that, that really knows, recognizes that how ghost, how good ghosts are for business. And so that becomes a problem then. It's kind of a catch-22 situation where it's almost better when uh, people are negative towards ghosts. Because then when you get a story, you really feel like you got something because you had to pull it out of them. Uh, it's like pulling teeth. But then when somebody starts to realize, oh, ghosts are good for business. Oh, oh no. Now, now ghosts are coming out of every orifice. You got demons in the basement. Oh man, um, <laughs> that's how it is here in Florida. I think with some of these places, like in the little city, like that place is haunted, that place is haunted. Oh, yeah, no, you yeah. can't believe anything they say <laughs> because you know that they're just trumping it up because it's good for business. So, um, with that in mind, though, uh, there was another place like that in Baraboo, which is um, a couple hours uh, from. Uh, Milwaukee. So anyway, I was um, in Baraboo for um, a presentation. They they asked me that the uh, the old Baraboo Inn, as it was called, knew that go the owner there knew that ghosts were good for business. Um, he was a really nice nice guy. Um, God rest his soul. Um, but you know, I knew that that he was leaning into it. So that's why he asked me to come speak there, and that was great. But also, I thought if any place is haunted, it's not this place. Really, that's what I thought. I'm like, it's great. You want me to come and talk for two hours about Wisconsin hauntings? Awesome. But I didn't think that that place was haunted. I was going into it with, with this negative impression and uh so my brother and i uh actually went there together i i was like you should come along and your band should play and we should do a podcast and we had a whole night of activities after my presentation so anyway um my presentation was in this uh smaller bar area um which was on the far side of uh the the main bar and restaurant area. And so after I finished giving my talk, everybody was still in that room, like talking to each other. And I just excused myself and went to the other side where the big dining room is and the big long bar is. And to the side of the big long bar, we had um, a, a table that we had set up for the podcast. And then I was just uh, stowing my gear, uh, my laptop bag, under this table. And I stood up, and across the room, I saw an orb. Okay, so this is irritating to me because when you start a haunted history tour, you know that people are coming to you with their photographs, like, for years, saying, hey, look what I caught. And... You never know quite what to do. I mean, if somebody thought it was their grandma, I just was like, well, just let them think that. That makes them happy. That's great. Um, but, you know, if it was more of a more of an investigative 
uh, type person, I would say well, we have to realize all the things it could be. It could be cigarette smoke. It could be moisture. It could be dust. All these things that the infrared sensor is picking up on the camera and the lens is making look bigger than it is. Um, so I was explaining all that to them very often. And then, of course, when I have my paranormal experience, it's an orb. But the difference is I saw it with my eyes. So I'm looking at the back wall of this bar restaurant and I see this thing hanging in the air. It looks like about the size of a ping pong ball and it is kind of um, yellowish uh, white. And um, so I see it coming at me, but it's it's really just hanging there for, for a second there. And then it speeds up. So I had a second to look at it and think to myself, what is that thing? And then it sped up and it flew at my head. And it zoomed past the side of my head. And what it made me do is flinch. So for me, that was like, wow, I'm really, I'm really um, having a moment here that's authentic because I, I'm having this, uh, you know, involuntary reaction of flinching as if, you know, if somebody whipped a ball at your head, you'd flinch. So that's what was happening. That's what I was uh, experiencing. And then of course I looked around really quick and it was nowhere to be found. And then with that experience came the realization that, wow, um, you know, I really, and having to process this. Like, I didn't just run to the other side of the room and say, hey, everybody, I saw an orb. Oh my gosh, it's all real. You know, I didn't do any of that. Um, I was just quiet about it the whole night and then through the whole next day. And then um, Monday after uh, I got done teaching school, I called my brother and I said, oh, by the way, something did happen. And uh, that was... It was a shock to me that somebody like me, who's all about this, you know, wanting this kind of experience, that it happens and it takes a while to process it. Just imagine what this is like for people who want to deny it, you know? Like, it could be so easy to forget or just um, bury uh, because it does not match up with um, what you're used to. And so that gave me this idea that perhaps weird things like this are happening to people all the time. But you're never going to get them to tell you about it because they can't even handle it themselves. And uh, they've probably sublimated it, probably forgotten all about it. Uh, and then a year later... I was at the Milwaukee Paranormal Conference that, that we have every year here in Milwaukee and uh, American Ghost Walks has sponsored it for the last few years. And um, so we were having a, a panel um, about, it was called Haunted Road Trip. And we had, uh, we had businesses that were haunted and outside of Milwaukee, but would make a great day trip. 
And so then we went, um, I, I went to watch it. I wasn't part of the panel. And somebody who was from Old Baraboo Inn said that the owner's girlfriend was often complaining when she came into the main bar area of being dive bombed by orbs. <laughs> and I was like, wow. That's not how I described what happened, but that sure sounds like what happened to me. So that, that was great confirmation because I, I didn't know about those, that claim until that very moment. You know, and there were so many claims about this place that, um, you know, that wasn't even on my radar. And so it, it amazed me that it happened. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a learning experience about what it's like to be an experiencer when something like that happens to you. And then, um, you know, I remember I had this uh, paranormal team that I work with a lot and they, um, and I, I told them we were at some event together and I told them, you know, a couple of them about what happened. And then they said, well, well, Allison, was it a bug? And it was important that they, that they cover all the bases. But then I felt like how it must feel to be a witness and then to be questioned like that. And, you know, I, I said, I said to them, uh, do you know me? How many investigations have we been on? And am I running around saying that I'm having experiences every five minutes? No. I mean, I can count on one hand, probably the number of experiences I've had. And, um, so it, it was a really a uh, good learning experience for me. Definitely, definitely. I, I had uh, a shaman, Itzak Berry, tell me that the dead can travel as spears of light. So it's always fascinating to think what these things are. Like, is it dead people traveling in balls of light? I don't know, but it's definitely weird <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. And now to say it, it's a ghost, I mean, I can't do that. I can't say that. That, my friend, was a ghost. Because I don't even know what ghosts are. But I can tell you that that was not right. <laughs> I can tell you that that was not within the realm of normal experience. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, my experience is that, you know, I mean, I've been doing this for 40 years. I've had a variety of experiences. Not as many as Jeffrey, but it, mine are sort of, I've had a little bit of everything, you mm -hmm. know. It just in really unexpected ways, but Mike's, but the way it always happens with me is that it's always unexpected. It's not when it's not when I'm looking for it. No. Yeah. And it scares the crap out of me. It's like, you'd think that after all this time doing all this research, you know, writing a dissertation, interviewing over a thousand people over the course of my life about various experiences, especially UFO experiences, mm -hmm. You know, um, that you think you think that, you know, you just you just sort of take it in hand, you know, <laughs> but it's like, no, actually, when it really happens, you're just it just because I think because it's so unexpected and, yeah. it, and, it, and it's always it's always for me, at least it's always something that that just doesn't quite fit into like whatever I've expected it to be at that moment, you know, right. and, and, and so it, it, there's something just really freaky and scary about it. And I always, it, and I'm just like everybody else. I don't tell 
very many people about my experiences. You know, I sit in this show and I listen to people talk about theirs and Jeffrey talks about his all the time. And occasionally I'll, I'll, I'll share an experience of mine, but I just don't really, you know, because they're too weird to me. Right. It, it's, you know? um, it's surprising that that's what I have to say about it is my reaction. Just like you said, your reaction surprises you. You're like, there's just so it's so um, it's so weighted, uh, loaded with things, with expectations. And, you know, I was just like I said, when something really does happen, it, it's really quick. I mean, for me, it has been anyway. And uh, but, you know, to say it didn't happen just because it was quick is disingenuous or you know i can't say that it was part of normal experience because it really was not and you can tell that by my reactions to it and i'm just really was really surprised by my re reactions to it you, you never know how you're going to react if you're going to be scared if you're gonna, i i and i can't tell you i mean i wasn't scared by that but i didn't know what to do with it is the thing um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't think it, it just wasn't the time to tell anybody, you know, even though my brother was right there and I saw him minutes later, it just, I don't, I don't know why I didn't tell him right away, but I needed processing time. Uh, and, and then also, you know, I think there's more, um, there's, there's some lower hanging fruit there about like, oh, you know, I didn't think that orbs are really real in a sense. You know, I mean, I left the door open for that. But then to see one like that and have one buzz your head like that. Um, and it's important to say I didn't feel it and I didn't hear it. I mean, I saw it coming at my head. But um, other than that, you know, I didn't have any other senses associated with it. Uh, but, yeah, what do you do with that experience? And then... And then the complicating factors of, oh, it's an orb. Now I got to tell people I saw an orb and they're going to think, I mean, on a photograph or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's another orb looker. Singer. Yes. And you know, they're going to discount me before I get another word out. And then the, also the idea that the old bearable in this place where I was like, oh, come on, people with all your claims. It's ridiculous. Um <laughs> But the fact that I had an experience in that place was like, oh, it's just like the universe kicking you in the pants. You know, the universe is saying, oh, you think you know so much, Allison. <laughs> you know nothing. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah. 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 So it, it can take, you know, just a few seconds, but uh, it's a deep enough experience that you have all these things attached to it. Uh, so. So, yeah, I mean, but again, the, the great thing that I learned from it is that there could be millions of people every day having paranormal experiences, but because they're programmed not to recognize it, uh, we might never, ever know about those experiences because, uh, one, these people don't want to experience it um two it's just uh, so foreign from what uh the regular 24 7 daily life 
Uh, and it's not, it, there's nothing about it that uh, is going to help you pay your mortgage. You know what I mean? It's just, there's nothing. And, and there's nobody you can really tell like officially or, you know, it's, it's, it's a sticky wicket. It's really hard to be able to find people that you can confide it in. It's just too difficult of an experience. So I think a lot of people have had experiences, but they've probably entirely forgotten about them. And, oh, okay. So I got to tell you, okay, this is an example. Now it is not paranormal. Let me just put that out there. Um, but it, 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 uh, it demonstrates what I'm talking about. Okay. So, um, my husband is really into photography and there was this, there was this old shutdown, uh, drive-in theater where, uh, the doors were open so he could get into the screen and take pictures of the building. The, the, the screen is actually a building onto itself. So, uh, he was at this, um, old drive-in theater one day taking his architectural photos and I was off um, at some kind of um, female only event. It was like a, a wedding or baby shower or something. Ugh. So I had to go and do all the dumb games and stuff like that. Sorry, relatives. But anyway, I hate those. So um, he's off, you know, trotting around taking pictures and I'm off at this uh, shower and, uh, and then so he's taking pictures in inside uh, the screen building and um, not paying attention to anything. And then he walks out one of the doors. And as he does that, he's like, uh-oh, what are all these people doing here? There, there were people all over with these dark robes, hooded robes. And uh, they, they were all, all around... And uh, one of them, like, started to notice him. And then it looked like they were participating in some ritual where, where a bunch of them were surrounding uh, an old car. And they had these, these, um, these baseball bats. And they were beating the car, uh, you know. And uh, that should do, I guess. <laughs> As the Satanists do, I don't really know. But anyway, it's kind of weird. Yeah. So he saw that. And then one of one of the people noticed him and started to approach. And then he's like, I gotta get out of here. And then so there's another door out the other side of the screen. So he jumps in the car and he just like rips out of there. And then the, um as he's going out, there's another car coming in with creepy looking people with robes on, and they're like uh like looking at him, like watching him go by. And okay, so that was really frightening to him. And then when he picks me up from the shower, I mean, this is like the biggest news that had ever occurred to us at that point. Okay, he tells me this, and I'm like, oh my god. And he's like, Yeah, I was freaked out. Of, I don't know what was happening there. And I'm like, I don't know. And then we get home, it's a Sunday night, and I'm like, well. Almost time to go to bed. We better put that laundry in. Gotta get up early to go to work. And uh, and that was it. We didn't follow up on it. I, I mean, who do you call? But maybe we could have called the police or something. But uh, we didn't. We didn't do anything. We just forgot about it completely. You know, we and talked you about it. And you don't know what that was? Yeah. We forgot about it completely. <laughs> So the, this is just, it's, I'm, it's, I'm 
making a demonstration here of how people could be having extraordinary experiences. They're the biggest news ever. And you just have your day-to-day life that you got to get ready for. And uh, so I don't know where it goes, but for us, it just blinked out of existence that that had ever happened. Okay. So then a few years later, some Saturday night, we're watching a movie on cable and I'm like asleep on the floor practically. And Scott's watching this movie, my husband, Scott, and, uh, and then all of a sudden he stands up and he goes, Oh my God. Oh my God. And so I was just like, jump up, like what happened? And he said, there it is. That's what I saw. It was, uh, there was a uh, movie which um, was very popular when it first came out called American Movie. And it was about, uh, it was about a Milwaukee filmmaker who was making a film. I know this isn't the right way to pronounce it, but he calls it Coven. He was making a film called Coven um, about some ritual practitioners. And it was the movie set that my husband stumbled into. And so my point is, okay, that's not paranormal. Let's just take that out of the equation. But it's some something that was extraordinary that happened to us that was weird enough that we didn't know what to do with it. So we forgot about it completely until it came back to us in this movie. And I'm just wondering how many people out there have these extraordinary experiences and i'd sure like to hear from them <laughs> so americanghostwalks.com uh you know call the number Anna will pick up and and tell her you want to talk to me allison um i'd love to talk to you um so open the floodgates people i want to hear your stories but uh my my point is that how many people are experiencing that same kind of uh, memory blackout just because they don't know what to do with an experience that's extraordinary. Yeah. What do you guys think? No, I, I think that that's, yeah. I mean, cause I live in a place where people have experiences all the time. I mean, that's what I wrote my, my book about. And uh, it, it, they have so many experiences, especially not only, not only in certain locations, but over time, you know, over, over a temporal period that um, they almost come to expect them, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, um, but that doesn't make it any easier for them to actually talk about them when they right. actually occur. And, you know, I mean, I've had a couple friends, I've had a couple friends visit me and my mother actually visit me in the last year where I live and they, they have all wanted me to take them on a, on a driving tour of the various of the locations that I write about in, in the book, because they want to, they want to sort of get a sense of the context. But the problem is, is that a lot of the places are like either, private homes or, or businesses or remote locations like in nature or in parks. And so it's kind of hard, you know, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about from one end to another, maybe 150 miles, you know? Right. And and so that's a little bit difficult to traverse, you know, for, you know, and just doing that, but, but no, people are, people are, um, 
people are hesitant. Well, and it's like a guy that I talked to who I'm still in contact with, um, who was one of the principal um, witnesses and and still is kind of an art the archivist of experience if you will of of the the of a, the pine bush um ufo i guess you'd call it ufo paranormal cluster that occurred uh, in pine bush new york in the in the 90s um he was like one of the first witnesses and he's had lots of experiences there he still goes there on occasion and, you know, just to see what is still going on. And he took me on kind of a, when I did, did the, the profile about Pine Bush, New York for the book, he, he, he took me around to all the places, the principal places where people had observed things. And, you know, he had various stories, but he said, you know, he's had, he's had a lot of experiences. In fact, he started, he, he wrote me just an email, um, last week where there were and some of these experiences have followed him home mm -hmm. so so he he occasionally will have poltergeist experiences in his house um they're periodic but he was sharing with me some photographic evidence of the, the, the some of the latest stuff it's kind of mild as poltergeist stuff goes but um it's still present and he, but he, I remember him talking to me and he said, you know, you can have all these experiences. But the fact is, like you said, the fact is, is that at the end of the day, you don't really know what's causing them. You, you don't know what it is. You can't fit right. it into the rest of your life. And so even if you go in search of it and you have lots of these experiences at the end of the day, you still have to go to work. You still have to raise your kids. You still have to live your life. And sometimes it's easier to just sort of pack it away. Yeah. You know, compartmentalize. Compartmentalize or cause, cause you know, you can't, you know, I mean, I guess, I mean, you've probably encountered people like this. We all know somebody who has become so obsessed with some aspect of this phenomena that it sort of drives them crazy, you know, and it drives them crazy too. Right. And, 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 and especially with UFO stuff, there seems to be this obsessive quality that sometimes develops in some people surrounding those, those reports. I don't know what that is. I mean, at one time in my life, I had a little of that, um, you know, that sense of, you know, that, that, that molder sense that we'll figure this out, you know, yes. <laughs> whatever that is, but in the end you don't. Yeah. You, you just, just have more questions. I mean, you, some people have their pet theories and they'll argue about those, but right. But, right. But the truth is, is that if you're honest about it, <clears throat> you don't know, you just don't know. And so you just, you have to just drop it. I think that what you, what your husband and you did was very, very normal, you know, because it's like, what do you do with that? Yeah. But to what us, you... it just really shocked us, you know, again, another teachable moment where we were like, wow, how many things are we forgetting like that? That are never going to be brought back to us. You know, we're never going to see it in a movie and go, oh, my God. Well, I think it's great that, that you actually saw the movie that that occurred in. I mean, right. some people call that synchronicity, you know, that you at some point you happened, you all, you both of you happened to be in a place 
I mean, what are the odds that you happen to be in a place where you saw, you actually saw that he saw the scene that he had seen before? I mean, that is kind of odd. <laughs> yeah, but um, to me, it's it's just uh, it was very revealing about some aspect about this aspect of human experience that if you have something extraordinary happen you don't know how to figure you don't know how to fit it into your day-to-day life um so paranormal or not um if if it doesn't if it doesn't uh, go with the curtains i mean if it doesn't like fit into your day-to-day living um it's it's not relevant to you for some reason or just you you put you compartmentalize it like you said you hide it it gets under the rug and you might never ever see it again one thing i wanted to add is there was several of my encounters i don't want to get into them too too much but there were people with me who saw phenomenon such as triangular craft in the sky uh, another time with my mother, she actually remembers something happening, but not a lot of detail. We saw pyramid craft coming out of what appeared to be a portal in the sky. And she said, oh, my God, Jeffrey. And it, it terrified her because it looked like something out of like Star Trek, but in your neighborhood sky. And uh, and then another time I was with a friend and there was a pyramid craft parked over power lines and a ball of light came out of it towards us. And, uh, he doesn't, I've asked these people before. My mom remembers something happened, but not details, but other people, friends that were there, they don't remember it. And I remember it plain as day. And what I've found out is I think there's, I don't know details, but I think, there's something here that doesn't want us to remember it because when I was having a lot of UFO encounters, some kind of government agency came out and responded in a silent helicopter with no propellers on it with like a cockpit set over my house and a man in a military, like air force, whatever the hell top gun, whatever Maverick, yada, yada, yada waved at us mockingly. And it shot off. It was almost like there was so much UFO activity as a friend said that Jeffrey, you're attracting it here. And it was a time of a lot of reading of occult stuff and partying and, you know, drugs, all kinds of stuff. But uh, a lot of these people who've had these experiences, they were, they would acknowledge that they see it. And then I'd ask them years later and it's like, they've been mind wiped. Now, if you, if you get into all the, I don't want to get into Skinwalker Ranch, but those shows, there's something happening that does not want them to get closer to the truth there's a resistance yeah so i believe there's i don't know exactly what it is or what to call it i don't know but yeah. there's something something well, that's that that's um with. that uh, leads me to recall another personal experience i had and i you know i don't i don't know what this was but again didn't seem normal okay so um, I was involved with a Hawaii Paracon for a couple of years, and uh, I think it was our yeah our first our first Hawaii Paracon. So I think it was 2018, somewhere around there. And um, so before um, before the event, 
like all the speakers got together at a local's house um, on the island of Oahu. And uh, we had a, a kava ceremony. And it was just a sacred way to start uh, the proceedings, you know. It was a way, you know, to to introduce um, all the speakers to um, Hawaiian cosmology. And so we had this this uh, ceremony. It was wonderful. And uh, then uh, we left the guy's house. This was in Waianae. Uh, we left the guy's house and... Um, we uh, headed back to our, our family's house where we were staying. And um, so, okay, so my cousins, they they have this uh, convertible. And we're in this convertible, okay, uh, in Oahu. It just sounds uh, unbelievable. But it really happened, and I'm happy it did. But anyway, so, so if you can imagine in the dead of night, like 1 a.m. in the morning, driving down this dark, road and wine i with um like like no not, not a lot of street lights let's put it that way and um so you know we're unfamiliar with the area um we're driving back and uh then suddenly we see this woman at the side of a road at the side of the road and um she she kind of uh looked like Maybe she was a hippie or something. I don't know. Like the kind of like uh, dress that she was wearing was like a summer dress. And um, she's she's standing there like perfectly still on the side of the road. And she's got like some kind of contorted pose. Okay. And uh when I saw it, I laughed because it reminded me of like the ring or something like that. Like when you see those uh, ghosts um, in um, some movies, they have this herky jerky kind of movement or whatever. I mean, she wasn't moving, but she had that kind of like herky jerky stance sort of. And so she was completely still and we didn't see the front of her. We just saw it. We're coming up on the back of her. And, um, so we we went past her and we're both like that was weird and it just it didn't seem right and you know i am usually a pain in the butt and i wanted to turn around and i couldn't make scott do it but i just let it go i wasn't like i wasn't like a harpy like usual <laughs> usual like Harping on until he turns around because I need to know if this was a person or what. And um, and he didn't turn around, and uh, I left it there. And that's unlike me. So again, it was kind of like something didn't want us to turn back. But then the next day at the Paracon, I was talking to the other speakers, and um, and I. All I said to them was, did you see that woman? And they immediately knew what I was talking about. That's all I said. Did you see that woman? Exact quote. And uh, so they said, oh, yeah. When we were coming in, we were, we were like late to the ceremony. They were coming in at 10 o'clock. We were seeing her at 1 a.m. 
and they were seeing the front of her and they said you know she had like blood running down her arms and i'm like dude why didn't you call 911 if that was the case but what was interesting is that you know so many hours between 10 and one that she would be out there unless it's some kind of extreme miming competition it, it seemed like it was, might have been a ghost i don't know but uh again that's an, another another thing that happened that you know i'm kind of mad because i wanted to go back and just like check it out and just make sure see if she was still there see if she was actually a living person or um but we didn't do it uh and you know we tried to go back a few nights later and of course she wasn't there but uh again that's another experience and it just shows you how these things like slip between your fingers and sometimes maybe they do that because they don't want you to engage more and uh they have some kind of influence on you but uh that was that was an another incredible experience and then we developed this idea for this youtube channel that we've never acted on but it's called drunk or ghost and see because in my purse i had this long back scratcher and i didn't realize in time that i could have like um I telescoped it out and tapped her as we went by to see if she was real. So that's our idea for a YouTube channel. When you see someone weird, you see if you can poke them, um, and if there's any reaction or if your 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 poking device goes through them. So maybe one day we'll have the YouTube channel Drunker Ghosts. You said there was a paracon near there. What is that like a paranormal convention kind of yes, thing? Yes, uh, yes. We had a paranormal convention for um, a couple of years there, in Did people uh, do cosplay there? Could she have been a cosplay person or something? Oh, maybe? no, 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 no. Because um, this, weirder. No, because um, this was not in the area where we had the paracon. And it wasn't oh, okay. that big. It's not like. Um, it's not like Comic-Con or something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was our first year and it was a smaller venue. And um, where we had it is just, uh, you know, probably 40 minutes away from where we had the ceremony. So, and, and none of the participants were to, in the conference were um, invited to the ceremony. It was just the speakers. So, yeah, yeah and, and it was not an area where you'd expect cosplay. But but I like the idea of an extreme mime that's out there for hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's there's, great. there's real encounters of stuff like that, for sure. I mean, there's a, yeah. uh, the trail cam stuff that some of it's real. And then that paranormal carnal camera, I know not all that's real, but there is some stuff on there that's pretty weird. And you're like, is that really real? <laughs> like that show paranormal caught on camera. Right. Uh, but uh, there's one experience we I had with some guys we were partying driving around dirt roads in the country and there was a big bright like star sitting on the ground and it just rose up like kind of like a reverse falling star but bigger and just went straight up but they would not stop i wanted to stop it's probably best that we didn't stop or we would have got travis walton or something but, <laughs> but that i've interviewed him a long time ago but uh that was just it's just like a star and it just float it right up but they would not 
<laughs> I said it twice and that was it. I was like, probably not a good idea to look at it, <laughs> but yeah. definitely. But well, that, uh, was, yeah. that was unlike me to give up so easily. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Maybe it's for the best, though. Yeah, maybe it's for the best. Four one one next. May, uh, maybe she would have eaten our faces. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, but but, we, but but what's your uh, website for everybody? Oh, it's AmericanGhostWalks.com. All right. Well, Allison, we appreciate it so much. It's been a great show. Thank you, and uh, good to talk to you. Thanks for uh, letting us know about Shark Tank and uh, your your company. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, and it was really nice talking to you, and thank you for sharing your experiences. That's what I live for, hearing other people's experiences. <laughs> I, I well, saw a, yeah. everything. Always. I, saw, I saw a haunted house movie last night, Hell House LLC Origins, the Carmichael Manor. It's on Shutter. That's the best found footage haunted house crap I've seen in a long time. Clowns and it was nuts, but that's a good one. There's a series of them. It's called Hell House, but uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Have a good night, guys. You too. Bye bye. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Church of Mavis radio show. We're starting over. We're in a different dimension. <laughs> Welcome to another time loop. <laughs> but no, uh, I was up battling electrical problems all last night. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was crazy, but... And uh, I should have did a coyote chant. Sometimes I do that little DJ Conway chant, and I think I bring stuff on myself. But it probably would have happened anyway with or without that chant. But it was it's weird. Have you ever seen outlets that have buttons on them? And if you mess with one the wrong way, it, like, affects the whole other side of the house. It's like a PCFI outlet or something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's like a, yeah. I, yeah, I know about those. They suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are those? Yeah, yeah. That's what this house has. <laughs> and I hate them. This one got triggered outside and messed up, so it uh, a room on the other side of the house doesn't have power anymore. <laughs> like, what? Like, this is crazy. But uh, let's see. Uh, oh, that movie was called uh, Hell House LLC Origins, The Carmichael Manor. Apparently, it's like the fourth one, and the first one and the last one's like the best, and the other two are kind of uh But this one was really good. The clowns definitely uh, knocked it off. Because I'm somebody that's seen so many movies like this, I'm just numb to it. This one actually had me kind of like, you know, looking at every scene to make sure there wasn't a clown coming. <laughs> but it was definitely eerie. But that was a good one. Uh do you do any Halloween Halloweening? Anything? You know, you no, know, you know, I didn't because um, it was in the middle of the week and I had to get up and go to work the next day. Yeah, so, I, so I, so I, so I just, you know, I mean, the I didn't either. Really, I didn't really either. I mean, sometimes in the past we've, we've, uh, you know, put out, you know, we've done the trick or treat thing where we, you know, put a pumpkin out and, but the thing is, is that where, where we live, there aren't a lot of kids and, and there's actually a curfew. So, um, the, you know, it happens kind of early in the evening. It happens like at five or six and I'm just getting home from work then. So it was, it was just, it's just too much of a hassle, you know, and, and, I so I didn't do anything. I mean, I I th I 
you know, over the course of the of the month, you know, I've read spooky stories and stuff, but the way I always do. But you know, but cool. I, I didn't I didn't do anything specific for Halloween. I haven't seen a trick or treater here in like I think fifteen years or more. Like I just haven't seen one here. They don't exist. I think religions kind of like ran them out of town, especially in this town, Graceville. Right. There's a Bible I mean, college. I mean, I will say that the, you know, the weather, you know, has been very Halloween-y, you know, like, um, you know, all the, we're, we're in the full color now here in the Hudson Valley and, and it, it gets warm. It's kind of, it can be kind of warm during the day, but it gets really, really cold. It, it, or, or, you know, we had our first frosts over the last couple nights. So, but, but the temperature drop between the, the daytime and the, the, the nighttime can be 40 degrees. And so what it does is it causes this weird curling fog everywhere, you know, that kind of rolls out of the river and just kind of, and so, um, it's been very atmospheric. I'll put it, you know, it's been, it, 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 it looks creepy. <laughs> yeah. I had a pizza and I watched, I've been watching horror movies. That seems like what I do, even if it's not Halloween, but there's one I saw called when evil lurks It's from Argentina. Yeah. It's like, like has these amazing reviews, but it's, it was really good, but it was a little too much on the gore, like zombies and exorcisms and man, it's one of Guillermo de Toro's friends, but he, this one, this guy's went on the dark side. <laughs> like it was crazy, like gory over the top. So it's not one I'd watch again, but I'm glad I saw it once. I was surprised it has like nineties on Rotten Tomatoes. Like usually they tear horror movies apart, but, uh, like a lot of old stuff. I saw tales from the crypt from like 1972 or, four like they did an old one and i've never seen it from ec comics and there's a vault of horror that's old too and it's uh uh who was in it uh christopher uh god i don't fit not christopher lee no i'm forgetting the guy's name it's one of those dudes but uh peter cushion mm -hmm. yeah and uh those are really good and old uh uh, definitely uh 70s crypt keeper it was a little weird but <laughs> but it was still worth the watch what kind of spooky stories have you been reading oh um well there I, I was i i was i've been listening to a collection of stories that michael hacker actually told us about um that let me see here what what is this collection called i've got it here because I, I could get it on Audible, so I can just sort of listen to it, you know. Um, yeah. And so that's so that's part of what I've been doing is listening to it, and let's see what it's called here. I remember him saying it, but I don't remember the name. Yeah, it's called. Oh, where is it? Come on, come on. Oh, come on. Where are you? That's uh, so. See. Oh, it's called Weird, Weird, and Other Derelictions by Adam L.G. Neville. And what's strange about these stories is that these stories have no plot exactly. What they are are a series of, 
it, it's it's like basically what it is is that it 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 it's they are very elaborate detailed um descriptions of scenes like say if you were to come upon a scene you know what i mean uh come upon something and and it's a very and they're very detailed descriptions of what you see but there's so so as the descriptions are being given you you develop narratives in your mind about what must have happened huh. but it but it but in and of itself it's kind of like it's almost like a for, it's almost like forensic stuff you know um where you know in csi stuff you know you'll have a murder scene and then and then the whole story that evolves over the course of the show is what the various types of evidence saw it, uh, reveal you know what i mean what what you know what 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 they got off you know, what they got off of this piece of that or this piece of that but it's sort sort of like that except what it's doing is it's going into elaborate descriptions of and and over time and what happens is this kind of layering of the details and over time you'll start as you listen to it you'll start to create a narrative in your mind about what must have happened but that but but then this but then it just ends it doesn't it doesn't, you know, there's not like a narrative that takes you somewhere. It's like it, 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 it inspires your own mind to create a narrative about what is being described. It's kind of cool and it's very creepy because um, some of the scenes that are described are, are horrific, you know, or very mysterious. They're just odd, kind of like what Allison was saying, where the the what's being described doesn't really make any sense exactly you know it's all distorted and weird and uh um but very detailed you know like down to smells and textures and and light lighting and it's it's very strange like like one of the one of the I, it's not a story but one of the vignettes is is uh it describes a scene where people a group of people in tents have encountered something that and it has something to do with human sacrifice but encountered something that would reach in that apparently either reached into their tents and grabbed them out or cause them to run away but like there's these bloody lumps of i mean it's just it's just bizarre <laughs> but but i'll listen to it when i'm like cooking or doing dishes <laughs> i'm familiar with him there's a movie they made called the ritual that was on netflix and it's really good it's like a horror norse situation it's uh -huh. from his, i know it's from his book I have some of his books around here, but they're, I'd have to dig for them. I got them, just people sent them to me, I guess. Yeah, I mean, sounds I, good. I, sounds good, though. I've always, I mean, I mean, I, I on my I, Facebook. I don't know that I would actually sit and read him, but to have him read to you is, 
it, it is more effective for me because of how visual all of his stuff is. You know, I mean, it's very visual um, and very detailed. Um, so, I mean, that's part of what I've been reading. I've also been reading, I had this really odd experience actually last week, which I'm still trying to figure out why it happened. Um, you know, I have a bookshelf over here that you can't see that's off screen. Yeah. And, and on the end of the bookshelf is Whitley Stryber's book, Transformation. You know, the blue one with the blue alien face on it or the white alien face on it? Yeah, I have it, I think. Yeah, and, and it's on the end, but the but it's but it's uh, it's on the end of the top part of the bookshelf in such a way that it can't really fall off. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of wedged in. Well, last last weekend uh, there were several weird things that happened, like several weird electrical things that happened that then resolved themselves. You know, but but at the beginning of all of these, I was downstairs with Alan and we were talking about something else. I mean, we were just doing something and I heard this thump, this really loud bang upstairs, you know, like in like I couldn't tell whether it was in his room or my room. And it startled me. But then, you know, we were right in the middle of what we were doing and it and the noise didn't continue. So I didn't think anything of it. So I came upstairs later and came in my room and that book had fallen out of the shelf. I mean, not off the shelf. It had to have fallen out, sort of out like this. And, and it was on the floor. I, I stumbled on it and I was like, what the hell is this book doing here? So I knew that that was the source of the noise, you know? So, but none of the other, see, the, the way that it fell, it's other books should have fallen off too because of how they're wedged up there, but nothing else was moved, just that book. And it, and like I said, it couldn't have just fallen off. It had to have sort of flung itself <coughs> off. So I, so I'm like, am I supposed to read this book? What the hell is it? About? <laughs> you know, who's, who's taking this book out of my bookshelf and dropping it on the floor? Yeah, have you read it before? Or yeah, I've read, it, I've read it several times, and in fact, and in fact, it, it's it's. Hold on for a second. I'll show you. I know I've read the the main communion books, but other than that, I'm be, I'm behind on several. Well, that's okay because you know his his books are kind of odd, but this is the book. If I remember right, yeah, this is the book that has in it. Um, that has in it. Um, that 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 translate. You know who Betty Andreas and Luca was, right? Yeah, I've definitely uh, heard of the name of the Andreas and affair. This is the book that has in it um, the translation of something that Betty Andreas and Luca said when she was under hypnosis, when Ray Fowler was investigating her case. And they were trying to get some, they were trying to get some, um, you know, uh, get her memories, you know what I mean? And so she, uh, she was under hypnosis. She was remembering her um, abduction and she started talking in this, these weird syllables. And um, 
because she had a Pentecostal background, it was originally assumed that she was just speaking and, you know, it was, it was glossolalia, you know, like, like they do in, in Pentecostal, um, you know, congregations that it was to her speaking in tongues, but, and, and so it got recorded, but then, um, um, an, a linguist named um, Leonard Keene discovered that, you know, after a series of people listened to these um, syllables, realized that she might be actually speaking a language. And so they, they had a linguist listen to it, a specialist listen to it. And um, basically, it, it, they concluded that she was speaking a dialect, an old dialect, I think of Irish Gaelic, and that these the, these phrases could be they these phrases could be um, translated. It, in other words, they were able to render a translation that made sense from these syllables. And this is what the translation is: the living descendants of the northern peoples are groping in universal darkness, their mother mourns. A dark occasion forebodes when weakness in high places will revive a high cost of living, an interval of mistakes in high places, an interval fit for distressing events. Wow. And I mean, when I read that, I remember when I first read that, it freaked me out. I was like, oh my God. You know, and I've never forgotten it. And for some reason, it for some reason a few weeks ago it came back to me. I think it was probably because of what's going on in the world right now. And then this book flung itself out on my floor. So maybe I'm supposed to read it, <laughs> reread it again. I don't know. It's definitely just keeps getting crazier. Like uh, all the Israel stuff, just nuttier and nuttier. Yeah, seeing well, all these other countries attacking, like what Yemen or Lebanon or something, that's attacking them now or something. Yeah, well, no, it's not. It's not that. It's it, it. It's the Houthis in Yemen. It's it's not, and it's not the countries. It's specific groups, groups within the countries. It's not the whole countries, um, and it's and it's very complicated. It's not. You know, it's, I mean, my problem with all of that is that I know way too much about the, the total history of, of all of it to, to even be able to begin to discuss it with people. There's no way that you can make it simple. Um, and, um, yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, our media just tries to make it simple for people. Um, and that plays right into propaganda. And, you know, it's just, it's just not like that. So, you know, and it's, it's, it's a desperately sad, um, horrific situation. And I don't know, but anyway, I know, yeah. I, I, yeah, I've been eyeballing the, the right wing commentary about it at a particular oh, yeah. place. And it's very yes. confusing because a lot of them still love Trumple Gooch, but you would think Christian right wing Trumple Gooch, I love Israel, but what I'm seeing, like I see that, but there's a lot of them that like hate Israel and Jew this and Jew that, like 
but they seem like they're right wing trumple gooches. I'm just confused. I don't know. Well, I think there's nationalism maybe or something. I don't know. No, there's, there's, well, and there's, there's a confusion between people confuse Jews and Kazaria and all that crap. Yeah. They, they confuse Jews or Judaism with Israel because most people in Israel are Jews, but being an Israeli and Israeli is a nationality. There are Arab Israelis. There are Palestinian Israelis. They mostly live in occupied East Jerusalem, but they are Israelis. They are Israeli citizens. And so um, being an Israeli is, is a nationality. It is not the same as being, uh, as being Jewish. Being Jewish um, can, can mean a lot of different things. Um, and and it's certainly not equivalent to the um, religion of Judaism because like 80% of Israelis who live who are Jewish who live in Israel are not religious at all. They're secular. So um, you know, like Netanyahu, I mean that's that's the thing that freaked me out about this last you know speech that Netanyahu gave la um, last last weekend. Um, when he invoked Amalek, and I mean, you probably don't even know who what Amalek is, no. but that is that's a that is that's a very symbolic. Um, in the Hebrew Bible, Amalek is appears the people of Amalek appear several times in the in the in the Torah, and I think in some of the histories, and we don't know who Amalek were. I mean, we don't know you know, like what ancient people they were. But um, according to the, you know, the, the biblical texts, they were an ancient enemy and they hated, they hated the Israelites. And, and they're, they, they're sort of like the nemesis, if you will, of the Israelites. And so at one point, I think it's in like the book, I can't remember if it's first or second Samuel, but at first, at some point in the Bible, it, there's a, there's a passage that, that says something to the effect of, you know, Amalek will always be your enemy, will always be cursed. You are to kill them to the last man, woman, child, and beast, you know, you know, and, um, and so they're like, they're like a traditional enemy. And so through the course of Jewish history, um, occasionally Amalek would sort of become a symbol of, of whatever, um, what, you know, whatever uh, great opposition Jews were facing. Well, you know, he basically called the Palestinians Amalek last, last weekend. And, you know, that's, that's something that only Jews will get. That's something that only Jews or scholars will understand, like what he's saying. It's code. You know, but it's basically he's basically basically saying that that the Palestinians are Amalek. Therefore, we need to do to them what the scripture has enjoined us to do. But he's you know, it's almost like calling jihad. But the problem is, is that he's not a religious man. And yet he's using the, he's using a biblical text to justify something that he wants to do in order to give a reason for what he wants to do. And it's just like, uh, wow, <laughs> you know, it, it's like, if he's going to, if he's going to invoke Amalek, but he's not going to listen to anything America tells him to try to mediate or, you know, moderate his behavior. 
So it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's creepy. It scared the crap out of me when I heard him say that. It was like, oh, my God, you know, do you have any idea what could you be bringing on to yourself? You know, this doesn't make Israel safer. You know, it's it's definitely uh, scary. But I've had some guy that's been stalking me and I don't know who it is, but he goes, I have a stalker. And he's at the comments at that particular place that I'm talking about. And he's called Marines Fighting Tyranny. And for some reason, he thinks some guy named Monkey Works that's on YouTube that does all these flight path weird shows about planes and stuff. And me, he says we're Israeli agents. And he's threatened my life on that site. And they don't do nothing about it. They, they delete the comment. They should ban him. But, like, I'm a redneck from Georgia. Like, <laughs> if they're hiring, you know, give me a call, Larry David. I might take the job. But I'm James Bond, 007 Israeli agent. Like, on my nose, maybe. I don't know. It's baffling. I don't understand it. It's, he's crazy, whoever this guy is. But uh, just I've just seen a lot of weirdness with it all lately. It's just confusing to me. That's why I don't really talk about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, I've I've had stalkers before, and it's pretty yeah. scary. I, I mean, it's I, I've I've had I've been stalked twice, and it's not, it's not, it's it's really it's dangerous. Really, it, it's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I you know one of the people. I mean, I, I actually wrote about it in one of my blogs on my website because it because it was so weird. It was one of those experiences that that especially how the two stalkers kind of overlapped. It was like they overlapped in such a way that I actually and I still wonder this. I actually wondered if somehow they didn't find each other online. I mean, that that's how weird some of the experiences were some of the experiences were as weird as anything paranormal that I've ever experienced, you know? And so I don't talk about it very often because um, I'm almost afraid of bringing it back in some way, you know what I mean? But yeah. I mean, I lived in fear of this one person for years um, because I had no idea what they might do, you know? Um, and it's been part of the reason why I've been sort of, cautious in and being more public because i don't know what this person will do um I, you know um you gotta be careful i know lately just seeing like headlines it's just so many people being found dead like weird serial killer stuff like every day is a new weird headline about some girl or whatever there's even some lady poisoning dudes like there's like a, I think it was just like a serious rise. People are stressed out. So the numbers of that kind of stuff goes up, I guess. Uh, how many are at large at one time and all that stuff. Definitely seems like it's a lot creepier, but I guess it's always in the news. I've just noticed it more lately. <laughs> like weird yeah. stories of them finding bodies and all this different stuff. And it's just crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I know. It, I'm. I'm very, I'm very, I try to be very cautious. So. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's just, uh, I know. And then the thing that just happened with the main thing, that was just freaking nuts. That guy, they said that he got, that, that they got uh, warnings about him from other people that he was going to shoot something up. 
it's just uh it's crazy to think how someone can snap like that says he has audio hallucinations like i guess you hears audio stuff which uh i don't know it's just nuts that's a lot of people and then took his own life and all that stuff uh but audio hallucinations i mean i guess I mean, obviously, there's mental illness that can cause that, but it makes me think about weird electronic stuff, you know, and, and certain thoughts in your brain or whatever. But, I mean, audio hallucinations, that's like, I watched Psycho 2 recently, and I think that's what Norman Bates was kind of going through. Like, he would hear, he'd pick up the phone and be his mother, but it was actually somebody else, but he thought it was his mother. He was, like, having audio hallucinations. That's got to be scary. Uh, if you're hearing audio, like that's yeah. uh, deceptive or whatever. Uh, but luckily they found that dude, but that was just, my buddy lives in uh, Maine and he they sent out like warnings on the phone and stuff and like weird Amber Alert kind of, you know, public signals or whatever, warning them that the guy was at large and all that. It's definitely nuts. As far as, uh, I guess the big problem with the Israel thing is just Iran. They seem to be instigating this and sending drones to other bases and the U.S. bases and hurting our soldiers and stuff. It seems like they're behind a lot of it. And then you got to wonder if China and Russia and all them are behind a lot of it as well. Or Russia, at least. They're behind everything, it seems like. Well, they certainly like to be um, um, provocateurs. That's true. You know, they certainly do like that. Um, it's, you know, the, the thing about Hamas is, you know, they have gotten, Hamas has been, it's not just Hamas, by the way, that is that is there in Gaza. There, I mean, there, there's, there are several other groups that are there, including Islamic Jihad. It's not clear... You know, even though Hamas obviously took credit for it, even Hamas operatives um, said that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like they don't know. They don't even know where all of the captives are, um, because uh, basically you had Hamas and Islamic Jihad and a couple of other groups and then just like a whole bunch of regular people who had been like kind of hanging out with them, um, you know, practicing, they all, they all participated in this. And so, you know, in the, in the initial raid on October 7th. And so they, various people took folks. And so Hamas doesn't even know exactly where everybody is. And, um, I mean, one of the things that I think is really interesting, and so this is this is what I do, is that, you know, I mean, I listen to our mainstream news, which is largely useless in many ways. And then I listen to um, other news sources from across the world talking about it. Um, you know, I, I listen to um, news coming out of Israel. I, I also have contacts in Israel from earlier in my life. I, I know Israelis that are on the ground who talk to me. I know people, I don't know any, I don't know any Palestinians on the ground, but I do know some Lebanese people who are living in Lebanon who give me reports. Um, I, I know some people in Egypt who give me reports. I listen to Al Jazeera. I listen to Middle Eastern Eye. I listen to Al Arabiya. So I listen to like lots of different sources throughout the course of the day. And what's really interesting to me 
is um, the level of propaganda that is coming out of a lot of sources, but there's also some really good reporting that is coming out of some of the Middle Eastern and Indian sources, um, like from India, that our news media just doesn't pick up on at all. And, 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 and out of Israel that, you know, like if you were to listen to our media, just our media, um, you would think that, you know, Isra most, you know, Israelis are absolutely unified in, in support of what Netanyahu is doing. And they're not, you know, it's like, depending on where you are in the country, one out of every five to one out of every four Israelis really are unhappy with what Netanyahu is doing and don't think that this is going to protect, make, make it any safer for Israel. Um, uh, particularly um, since he seems to be doing, he doesn't, there doesn't seem at least to them that he's doing a lot to try to actually actively get the hostages back. You know what I mean? Um, and there's, there, there's actually a lot of dissent that is going on in, Jer in Jerusalem um, um, Israeli um, dissent that is going on in Jerusalem, um, and it's it's just not being covered by our media. Um, so you know the, this this idea that this idea that if you have any problems with the way in which the IDF is operating, if you have problems, then you're automatically anti-Semitic. It's like, well, if that's the case. Technically, being anti-Semitic would mean you'd be anti-Arab too. But if that were the case, then that would mean that that these Israelis who are having problems with the way in which this is happening, that they would be being anti-Semitic, and that's kind of nuts, you know. Um, it's like no, it's it's too complicated. It's way more complicated than this, than 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 the simple crap that we're being told. So it's, um, but it's also really dangerous because as, as you say, you know, other, other, um, interests are being drawn into this. Um, and, and it's, you know, I, I think it was yesterday that Iran, Russia, and China issued some kind of a joint statement that was kind of warning us, you know, the United States about, that what we need to, you know, what we should be doing to try to curtail what Israel is doing. And I, to me, it's like, I don't think Israel's going to listen. You know, Israel's in a rage. You know, I mean, the, the IDF is in a rage, you know, and they're just going to do what they do. They're not paying any attention at all to what we say. <coughs> yeah, so, um, definitely just seems like it's escalating. You know, so it's, it's, I think it's more dangerous than people know, really. So a lot of things could be derailed. So. And I'm so tired of that little ugly little golem Putin face. They, oh, say, he, they say he's dead. He's not dead. He's not dead. Although he, I, he might, he might be, he might have some health issues, but I do have I mean, clones. Yeah. I'm so yet. tired of his little scrunchy, little ugly face. Yeah. I'm too. Awesome. <laughs> Just do it. Just get it over with. Shut up. If you're going to do it. Gosh. Just his face is annoying. I was talking about something Jay left uh, left me alone, and I started ranting about. Uh, oh, you mean last, last week? Yeah. 
and I start ranting about polarities, you know, I, I like the left versus right thing. And just like the civil war, just these different like energies people take sides on and how uh, there was something I saw somewhere by that Dr. Courtney Brown guy. And I have read one of his books and it's a weird book. It's called cosmic explorers. And this dude, like, I don't know if he still does because I just don't keep up with him, but uh, he worked at Emory university and put out this weird remote viewing book and basically saying there's reptilian bases and stuff. And he's been on coast to coast a million times, but something he said about polarities have destroyed ancient civilization. Polarities? Like space, like these just, you know, two sides, polarities, like two different well, sides, you know, people right. fighting over crap, you know, left versus right, Republican versus tribalism. Tribalism, right. Yeah, and it's just it's just stupid. And when you die, is anybody going to really care what if you're left or right or Republican or Democrat or Nobody cares. I don't think that force is going to be, oh, you were a Democrat. You were a Republican. That's great. Come on in. My fear is all of heaven is Republican only, and that's why the devil left. <laughs> Hopefully that's not true. But, uh, fears. But uh, I talked to a friend of mine today, uh, yesterday, and uh, he hasn't voted in years, and he, he's angry and voting for Trumple Gooch. Oh my God. Because he's scary and and people are afraid of him and just Biden's a wimp and da da da. And I was like, and there's probably like a millions and a billion other ones just like you that's saying the same thing. So. Like, oh my God. You know, I you know I think I really think that if if Trump is elected again, I think I will have to leave the country. I think I I think that will be I think that will be it. I, I will have to leave because I can't, I can't live in another another time period where I have to listen to his voice and have yeah. to deal with with his garbage. You know, I just I just I can't I can't. It was it was bad for my health. Well, the only plus yeah. of it could be so sold out to Russia and them, it would maybe thwart nuclear holocaust but that's about the only plus man <laughs> but but yeah. he's still just oh he's, god he's he's he's, he just, he's the worst part is there biden's running again right i mean that's who we're putting against well, him. that's well, what scares well, me right exactly it's like <laughs> it's like i don't think i don't think anybody wants that rematch you know it's like we got to you know it's like neither party Ugh. can come up with anybody better than these two geezers <laughs> exactly <laughs> like oh god scary i know that kennedy dudes running uh oh well he's, well he's a wackadoodle i tell you <laughs> i don't even know what side he's the on what's right i guess i don't know well he's a democrat so he's running as a democrat but he's or an independent i think he's running it as an independent but you know, I mean, he's he's kind of libertarian, but he's he's kind of he's a conspiracy theorist, libertarian, anti-vaxxer, wacko. You know, I saw something about. I know that Dr. Cornell West was running. I thought that'd be amusing, but I haven't really kept up. I haven't seen anything else about that, but I saw something. Cornell West. Oh yeah. Him on Bill Maher. Yeah, he. I mean, he he's he's, he's articulate. 
He's articulate, but you know, <laughs> he, he, he would he would never he would never be elected. So. Like Malcolm X, Black Panther, or something. <laughs> yeah, he would never be elected. Uh, I'm worried Trump's going to win. It's not looking good. <laughs> they they and the fact that he's going through all this crap and he was like, look what they do to him, look what they're doing to the man. So I'm like, oh my it's like, god! It's like he did those things. And I was <laughs> dipping into the redneck. <laughs> redneck vibration. I no, can do that. I'm from Georgia. So yeah, can, you can, you can, can dip into in. the, red, the redneck. The redneck. I don't vibration. like it. Do psychedelics. No. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely crazy. Oh man, it is crazy. It's it's amazing. Crazy. You know, it's it's like, will somebody just turn it off? <laughs> it's just like uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it more uncomfortable. Yeah, it does. It's just something I don't know. I just think there's so many things going on, like cosmic energies, and you got all kinds of interference from all their whatever crap they have, technology, and just so much. It's just too much. I was uh, that Matthew Perry guy that died. It was sad. Yeah. He had a, he had a cool Batman cl collection. Yeah, it, and it's it's kind of interesting um, the circum the context of how he died. You know, it's like I guess his his he died and his aide found him or something. It's kind of odd. <clears throat> There's been a lot of weird celebrity deaths. I don't try to go too cuckoo, but sometimes I wonder if like an enemy foreign nation like really can like do something with a satellite and kill people. Like there's weird ones. Like what was that Bob Saget one that was kind of weird? You like right. there's been some weird ones that make you go, I hope I'm not on that list. Sometimes it feels like it. <laughs> but you know, well, really you're, you're, cool, you're probably not a you're probably not a big enough celebrity. Yeah. There was one show I did that scared me and made me wonder if it did, but it's probably just me being paranoid. But it was Robert Duncan, he's former CIA, and he made some kind of technology and they did steal it from him to use it for like gang stalking and weird stuff. <laughs> I think Beasel was there for that one. That was one of those like maybe I shouldn't have did that one. <laughs> maybe that one was a little too deep. <laughs> yeah, that was you're on the naughty list now. Little Heart too attack deep. list. But yeah, there's been some bad ones. I'm trying to think. There's just been so many. That guy Ray Winston. Uh he was in Black Cells. I think he was British. He was just in that Ahsoka Star Wars. Uh Ray Winston. He died. And that was kind of sad. Uh he was an actor. He was in a pirate. He's been in a bunch of stuff, but it was weird watching him in that Star Wars show. Because he didn't die in the end of first season, and he's dead. So what are they, they going to hologram him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <But> yeah. <clears throat> there is a funny pirate show that's on HBO called uh, Our Flag Means Death. Normally like 30 minutes apiece, but it's kind of dark. They had a balky on it. What's that guy's name? Pierce Bronson? It's Perfect Strangers. He was like a pirate. Oh, oh okay. Bosnan? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a pirate in it for a, only one episode. That's all I'm going to say, but but it's a pirate show. You don't get many pirate shows, but it's funny, too. So I've been watching that. 
it's weird because the the British white guy and Blackbeard are gay, so that's kind of awkward. They Blackbeard gay. I'm not sure why, but but it's still good. But there's some man munching in it. <laughs> some baron. But no, uh, that Tahiti Tahiti dude, that New Zealand dude, is a uh, Blackbeard. <laughs> There's some bear on bear. You're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. So, so where where are all your beasts? Where are all your pets and beasts? Oh, the dogs are over there asleep, and then the pigs over there. The cat, she's right there. They're here. They're just being quiet. Quiet. Okay. In the quiet. They, it's darker over there because of that electrical problem. So <clears throat> I have to turn the light towards them once we're done with the show. So how big is the pig now? Pretty big. She's gotten big. She's so about... Oh, my God. So, like, does, does she go out to use the bathroom? or does she Yeah. She totally is house trained. She doesn't ever use it in the house ever. She never does poop, never pees ever in the house. So uh, she goes out and throw her food out there and she'll eat. And I give her food in her kennel, but she can't. She can't run wild. She has to be in the. She has two big kennels connected and a lot of room and blankets. But uh, if you just let her, she'll just mess up everything looking for food and. Right. Well, well, um, well, that's what they do. They rip stuff yeah, out. It's it's a mess. If she she unfortunately she has to, but we let her go in the yard for a long as long as she wants to be careful because there's a lot of coyotes around here. So I don't try to leave her out there for too long. Yeah, and everybody likes pork. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, the coyotes. There's a tribe of them for sure. I've heard them, and. Uh, I'm surprised they don't try to jump the fence. They never have that I know of. Uh, it's just there's a lot of woods around the fence. It's hard to kind of get through. So uh, I'm sure they could, though, if they really wanted to. But I don't leave her out there that long. Oh, yeah. Was it Steven Snyder next week? Friday. Yeah. yeah. I was trying what, to. What book is what book is this? What the is Art, it? The Secret History of Psy War, Conspiratainment, and the Shattering of Reality. I think I sent it to you. you know, I think you know, I, I know I just needed okay. to be reminded. Oh yeah, here it is. It I is. had a short I had a shortness title. Yeah, the like, art the art, the secret history of Psy War, Conspiratainment, and the Shattering of Reality. He made up his own word there. Yeah, and part 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 one. This is part one. Yeah, it looks good. He's a he's a trip. So that's going to be interesting. The Soviet Aquarian Aquarian Age and the No Spear. Is that New Spear? The Dark Side of Camelot. Pandora's Box. Will the real UFO working group please stand up? This is going. This might get us on a list. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch, joint intelligence committee. Yeah, well, joint I'll, special operations. Yeah, <laughs> what are I'll, we getting into here? <laughs> well, maybe it's another one of those dangerous shows. <laughs> yeah, he did like what was it, Minnesota or something like in that last show, or it was, I think it was. I know we talked about that Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Death Trip. I'd have to look it up, but I'm trying to remember what we talked about the last show we did with him. I, it's been so long, and my memory is terrible. 
But it was very good. I do know that. He's, he's got some good stuff for sure. And uh, haven't heard from Stephanie about that finale, so I don't know if that's happening. It may not be. Now, remind me, what is that now? <clears throat> some lady with a cult food that she was going to write, but I never oh, heard Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. <clears throat> I never heard anything back, so it may not have transpired. So we got to, I got to feel that's the last date I got to feel is December 15th. And that's with you. Uh, who's coming up? Let me see. Steven Snyder. And then RK, wait. Here. I got RK it. Latch. A bunch of those weird West Arthurs. They're all pretty interesting. They write and movies and books and weirdness and then i'm trying to get something for the final final enchilada now while, <coughs> while e young yeah while e young and then uh michelle garza i just added her she's an author and where is uh and then uh, it lost. R.K. Latch is after Stephen. Michelle Garza is the first. And then Wally Young. And then I'm still working on the 15th. I was trying to see if you can uh, <clears throat> video file. Let's see if it lets me do that little show. And I'll show my little monkey thing. I don't know if it'll let me. Hold on. Show your little monkey thing. Yeah, hold on. It may let us. <laughs> yeah, hold on. My boy had him. Uh, <laughs> likes to wear. Second. Not impressed. Calling an archangel. Who deal in all. Oh, for some reason, the numbers are hard to move around. It's there exhausting. Just saying. <laughs> 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 I'm a debrief, you know? Sass yeah, squatch. you guys had a lot, really good response. You had a lot of people there, which we was shot great. The squatch. We love JoJo. 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 <laughs> oh, uh, Joe. Is that Joe? I didn't even That's know. That's Joe. <laughs> That's Joe. <laughs> That's Joe. <laughs> love JoJo. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Yes. We the squatch. We love JoJo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we were talking about weird stuff, and people want us to talk about all that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that was my thrill, my only thrill for Halloween besides a pizza. <laughs> but uh, it was funny because they didn't know who it was at first. Yeah, it is funny. I made sure not to show the mask. I was very skillful and made my camera because I knew if they saw that, it was on. So, uh, me, Shaka Squatch. Me love JoJo. Shaka. <laughs> like Shaka from Land of the Lost. <laughs> I, I, know, I know exactly who you're talking about. I don't about. even know if he's seen it. Like, I don't even know if he knows that even happened, which not that big of a deal. It was just something stupid, but... <laughs> I hope he doesn't know. So secret, he has secret Shaka Squatch, and he doesn't even know. It's been on the network, professing his love, professing his love. But uh, 
that mask when I was about to have a pan a panic attack under it. It was I could barely breathe. Hot and hot and uh, uh, claustrophobic. So uh, we got four minutes. You haven't been watching anything. You know, I I I've been watching some documentaries, but I haven't been watching. Yeah, I haven't been watching. Um, Oh, I've, I mean, I've been watching old Star Trek, you know, trying to catch up with some stuff, but I haven't been watching any, I haven't watched any paranormal stuff, any horror stuff. I just haven't. I'm, I hardly have time in the evenings during the week to really do much. Um, and, you know, with commuting, I spend like 10 hours a day, five days a week, either at work coming from work or going to work. So, you know, I don't, I just don't have time. So, you know, what I do is I just buy, if I spend time with the chickens. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. There's one thing I saw on that HBO max is this Navajo police show, like three episodes of like their real, like police kind of stuff. Uh -huh. Like it's, it's not paranormal. I don't think, but they may have something like that, but it's mostly like real, I want to watch that. That sounds pretty interesting. It's just like, kind of like, I don't think it's as, uh, it looks more classy than cops and stuff. <laughs> but, but it's basically their training and all that stuff. It seems pretty interesting. I might check that out. There's one uh, weird cartoon on there that I need to check out. I saw the first episode. They're only like 20 minutes, but it's called Scavenger's Rain. And it's a new animation on uh, on HBO Max, whatever the hell they call it. But anyway, it's cool because the animation's like really weird. It reminds me of the heavy metal kind of movies and stuff. Like a weird light, like a lot of creatures and alien organisms and plants and just crazy. And it kind of reminds me of the, the heavy metal animation uh, movie. Uh -huh. So that's pretty cool. But Scavenger's Rain. It's like some good stoner wear. But, uh, that's right all right everybody thanks for listening united public radio 107.7 fm new orleans thanks to uh allison thanks to uh wham thanks to uh super jojo and thanks to uh shaka squatch shaka squatch land of the lost <laughs> little shaka i used to watch that in my pajamas <laughs> <laughs> they made they made a movie of it. It sucked. But Will Ferrell know what the hell they were thinking, but it's funny, but not that great. But uh, all right, everybody, I'm exhausted. I need some food. All right, everybody, have a good night. Take care. Good. Have a good weekend. Bye. Bye, everybody.